Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God and it contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning and welcome back. We're glad you're back with Know Your Bible this week. Ready to study the Bible with us and uh, see if we found the answers to some of your questions perhaps. For a first time viewer, that's all we do here is answer questions. Uh, so if you want to listen to other people's questions and the answers, that's fine. Uh, if you'd like to ask your own question, that's fine too. Uh, there'll be a phone number and a website on the screen throughout the program. That's the way you get in touch with us. Uh, tell us what you want us to talk about. We'll get to it just as quickly as we can. Always a few weeks out because of taping and closed captioning and all the things we have to do. But uh, we work right through the list as, as we get them and try to get to all of them. So uh, tell us what you want us to talk about. We'll discuss it in the weeks ahead. Toby Levering's back with me today. Good morning, Toby. Hi, Steve. Glad you're here and ready to go. Uh, got lots of good questions today, and we've always got one good one for our viewers to start with. Who baptized Jesus? A little bit of Bible trivia there, and we'll give you the answer at the end of the program. Uh, see if you know who baptized Jesus. And speaking of baptism, I think yep. that's your first question. Got a baptism question. All right, more take specifically, we've got an age question. What age should one be baptized? Well, I can't answer that directly because I don't know who you're asking for, yourself or someone else. I don't know their maturity. Their, uh, I just have to sit down and talk with them. And that's really how to decide. The Bible doesn't give us a definite age for being baptized. I think that's the reason why, because everyone's different. Everyone matures a little differently. Everyone thinks a little differently. Um, and I, I tend to think that it, it's a matter of maturity of the heart and of the mind. And when you reach that point, when you recognize uh, what faith is and what it means to believe and why you need to be baptized, that's probably the biggest one, uh, to understand that you, you have sin and that your sin separates you from the Lord and that that sin will separate you eternally if you don't do something about it then a person is ready to be baptized. And I've seen children as young as eight or nine and you know, all the way up. I've seen 90-year-olds be baptized. So uh, I think it's just a point when you come to in your understanding and your thinking of spiritual matters and you're of an age where you understand what it means to believe and to repent and of course you're able to verbally confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Uh, when you are able to do all of those things in sincerity, uh, then you're ready to be baptized. So the Bible doesn't give us a specific answer. Uh, I've always kind of thought when they're when they are ready to do it and they know they need to do it and they can't be stopped from doing it, a uh, person's ready to be baptized, whatever age they are. But uh, I've seen lots of different ages over the years, but the Bible just doesn't have a specific answer. But it's good that they're thinking about it. Yep. Uh, the only thing we got even close to an answer is what the Jews called yep. the age where they became a man and a a woman, right? Uh, thirteen, thirteen, or thirteen. Yep. Yep. Okay, so somewhere in there, most kids are starting to think about important things yep. and yep. being able to reason a little bit about 
sin and what it all means and all that, but that's not a hard line rule by any means. All right, here's a trick with question for me. How does God feel about women in general? Uh, well, that's, <laughs> it, it's a good question, actually. The more I thought about it, I thought, well, God doesn't just say one thing. Right. Uh, but compared to what the world says, yeah, yeah. I think this is an interesting question because if you listen to the world, they want you to believe that Christianity and a patriarchal God uh, beats up on women and makes life miserable for women and subjects them and beats them down and puts them under uh, man's rule and is bad for women. Uh, that's pretty much the world's story about women in any kind of any kind of faith uh, religion. There are some religions that do that, uh, but not Christianity. Uh, and like I said, God didn't make one statement, although He did say all of His creation was good. And he made man and woman, I think, exactly as he wanted them. Uh, so he, in general, thinks woman is a great creation. Uh, that's the in general answer. Uh, she chose to sin. She brought problems into the world and all that. But uh, she's still a great work of creation. Uh, let me just give you a few things the Bible does say about women in general, maybe. Number one, men and male and female are different. God made them different. Uh, so they would complete each other. Are they not alike? There's a lot of differences. Uh, famous book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, tries to explain how different men and women are. God made them that way for a reason. Uh, secondly, in the Old Testament law, the laws about divorce and all of those kind of things, if you read them, they're actually made to protect women compared to the tribal practices of all the other people around the Jews, women were greatly protected by Old Testament laws. Uh, Jesus, when He came along, uh, He shook things up a little bit. Uh, it was a very patriarchal society and women were not to be talked to or anything. Uh, Jesus treated women pretty much as equals. Uh, he talked to the woman at the well in Samaria, which nobody could believe. He defended the adulterous woman. Uh, that nobody else would defend in the courtyard there. Uh, he had a lot of very close workers, women workers that worked with him and traveled sometimes with him and supported his work. So Jesus treated women as equals. Uh, another thing is wherever Christianity goes in the world, the status of women is elevated. Uh, and I know the comma, the common wisdom. The world doesn't want you to believe that. Uh, but you look around. You look at the Middle East and see how women are treated under another religion and you'll find out that wherever Christianity goes uh, the status of women is greatly elevated. Uh, in Christianity, Galatians 3.28 probably sums it up. He said, in Christianity we're all alike. Uh, Jews and Greeks are equal in Christianity. There's no racial difference. Uh, slaves and free men, uh, there's no difference in Christianity. We're all equals. And then he says, there's no male nor female in Christianity. We're all equally saved. We're all equally benefited, the benefit of the blessings of Christ. So the Bible doesn't have a statement that here's the position on women, uh, but you look through it and you'll find out that women are highly valued and to be uh, be, be treated that way and in Christ 
we're equals. So, uh, that's what the Bible says in general, I guess, about women. <laughs> that's a good answer. Well, and, and you address this, but God has always shown a special concern for the widows, for those who are, mm -hmm. you know, especially in patriarchal societies, had a hard time just making a living and providing for families. And, and yep. James goes on to say, pure religion is to continue to look after widows and things. Mm -hmm. So I, I think he's always had a special place in his heart. <laughs> uh, good answer. Uh, next viewer asks the question, or makes a statement first, uh, I have always been a night owl, able to function only at night. Is there anything in the Bible about that? Uh, well, there's some, I guess, maybe some principles. There's not anything specifically to uh, a person's sleep cycle and, and when they choose to get their seven or eight hours of sleep. Uh, so I think on that it's probably a matter of personal choice. Uh, it's a proverb that Benjamin Franklin said. It's not in the Bible. Early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. And uh, I don't know, that's probably pretty good advice. But uh, we see lots of examples in the Bible of well, Jesus stayed up late all night praying. And, and of course, he woke up early in the morning to pray. So I think he was active and productive at all parts of the day. Um, Proverbs 27:14 says, Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing which to me is just a hilarious verse. If you're not a, a morning person and you know are in a family with people who are, it can be a little crazy to think people, how be, certain people can be so energetic and loud and boisterous in the morning. Uh, so people are different. God created people different. Uh, I will say if, if by staying up at night and you're doing productive things and you're doing work and that's just when you seem to do it best, that's fine. Um, but being productive at night is not binge watching Netflix for four hours and staying up till two or three in the morning and driving in late to work and and uh, being unproductive all day. You know, that's just a, a matter of self-discipline and a matter of getting control of yourself. Uh, but if you're a night owl, and my, my grandmother was this way, she would stay up all hours of the night baking and sewing, doing different things, and she would stay up till two or three in the morning. Sometimes she'd get up as early as three or four in the morning, and she was just always productive and always working at things. She just didn't need a lot of sleep, and some people are that way. So uh, I would say just as long as you're keeping your commitments and you're working hard and you're, you're not practicing slothful activity, uh, uh, whatever you choose to do is probably good. You probably heard the saying, nothing good happens after midnight. That principle is in the Bible, and the idea of dark, evil seems to thrive in darkness, not specifically returning to an hour of the day. But let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 5 through 7. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us... Let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who, are, who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. So uh, if you're a night owl, that's fine if you're doing the right things. But uh, just understand that there's a difference in the day and the night and what kind of behaviors occur yep. there. So. Yep, some of the crazies go out at night. So it gets a little strange. Get in before it gets too dark. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about a good way to study the Bible. We uh, enjoy answering a few questions here each week, but it doesn't get us very deep into the Bible. In fact, some of the things we answer are pretty trivial, and some of them are very important, and hopefully all of them are interesting. Uh, but that's just what people in general are asking. Maybe you've got specific questions. And if so, you can find the answer in your Bible. 
you say, well, I don't know anything about the Bible. Well, let me help you get a little more familiar with it. We've got some free study materials that we'll send to you, uh, mail them to your house, and you can do it, study anytime you want to, with your Bible and the privacy of your home, and you can learn a lot about the Bible. The first lesson's got eight the lessons, our first series has got eight lessons in it, and it starts with explaining the Old Testament and the New Testament and the difference between those two parts of the Bible. Uh, that's very important to understanding the Bible, and that's where this course starts. And then we've got some other courses that go into detail on a specific book or the life of Jesus, a number of great studies uh, that uh, when you're done with all the Know Your Bible study tools, you'll know a lot more about your Bible. So that's our goal and absolutely free of charge. We pay the postage both ways. Uh, use that phone number website. Get in touch with us so you'd like that free course and it'll be coming your way. All right, viewer, another question about baptism. If you've never been baptized, does that mean you won't go to heaven? Well, uh, people want to ask that and then come back with all kinds of hypothetical situations where someone decides they want to be baptized and they're on the way to be baptized and a school bus hits them and they're dead. Uh, what's God going to do then? Well, uh, on all the hypothetical situations, if they ever happen, God will do exactly the right thing. Uh, he, he can take care of it. Uh, he can decide that, okay, this is fine, and I know this person wasn't baptized, but uh, I know he was going to be, so this is going to be okay. Uh, on the other hand, he could stop the school bus if he wanted to. So uh, he's in charge. He can do it whatever way he wants. All I can tell you as a preacher of the gospel, all we can share you on a program named Know Your Bible, is what God has chosen to share with us. And what he's chosen to share with us is written down in this book, and he says that's adequate. He said this is everything we need for life and godliness. He says this answers all the big questions of life is what that means. Uh, so on salvation, what this book says is in every case of salvation it talks about. Every one. No exclusions, no hypotheticals, no uh, exceptions. On every case of salvation that it talks about ended with the person in the water being baptized. And then they went on their way rejoicing. Then they were added to the church. Then they became a Christ follower. Uh, that's the way that the Bible tells the story. Everyone ended in baptism. Can't find one that didn't. Okay, So if he shared that with us, uh, we teach that baptism is a part of being saved. It is when salvation happens. Uh, we teach the other parts that the Bible says. You need to hear, you need to believe, you need to repent, you need to confess, you need to be baptized. That's when salvation takes place. So uh, we just teach you what the Bible says. Uh, let me give you one example of one of those cases of salvation. A fellow named Saul that many of you are familiar with because he became the Apostle Paul, uh, probably the greatest Christian that ever lived. Uh, he confronted Jesus on the road to Damascus. Okay, uh, Look at the things that happened to him. He saw Jesus personally, talked to Jesus, had a vision there. Uh, he confessed Jesus. He called him Lord. He recognized who he was and confessed him with his mouth. Uh, he asked him, what should I do? Uh, and Jesus told him, he said, you go into town 
and a preacher named Ananias will come talk to you. He'll tell you what to do. Uh, he was blinded. He went in there. Ananias came and healed him. He was healed miraculously. He prayed and fasted for three days. Okay, All of those things, a lot of people today would say, well, that's good enough. <laughs> a guy talked to Jesus, was healed, prayed and fasted for three days, confessed him as Lord. He's saved. But what the preacher Ananias said to him when he got there was this. Let's look at it on the screen, Acts twenty-two sixteen. After all of that, Ananias said, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name. That's when sins are washed away. Uh, and after all those wonderful things that had happened to Paul, uh, talking to Jesus, healing, being blinded, or fasting and praying, all that, uh, and I said, well, you still got sins. We got to get them washed away. So baptism is what does that. That's when it happens. Arise, be baptized, wash away your sins. So my answer to you is that's all the Bible tells us about salvation. It tells us about that in every situation. So if you ask if you've never been baptized, does that mean you won't go to heaven? That ultimate decision is up to God. But what he chose to tell us was that's when salvation happens. So we recommend highly <laughs> baptism. That's what the Bible says about it. All right, Brother Toby. Uh, viewer asked a question. gets me a little bit riled up. Is there anything in the Bible about it being okay for a husband to hurt his wife because she angered him? If you are the viewer who answered this question, let me tell you clearly, the Bible never, ever says that. And don't listen to a husband who tells you the same. I'm telling you, the Bible is very clear in its instructions to husbands about how they're to treat their wives. And, of course, the, how wives should treat their husbands. But it, under no circumstances, should a woman ever be hurt or abused by her own husband. God forbid it. Um, and certainly a loving husband is going to pay attention to 1 Corinthians 13, Verses 4 through 7, the famous biblical definition of love. Here's what Paul writes about it. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perveres. Uh, I'll just be as, you know, that is as clear as I can make it. Uh, Paul is quite clear on his instructions. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, uh, where he goes on to write this uh, to the church at Ephesus. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor in the same way Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. As Paul is speaking of this beautiful relationship between Jesus and his bride, the church. And he says this is exactly the way husbands ought to treat their wives. Love them, care for them, treasure them, protect them. 
And so I say to you, if your husband is abusing you, you need to get out. You need to find shelter immediately with family or friends or a, 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 a women's shelter uh, as quickly as you can. Don't delay. Uh, call the police. Uh, get out of there as soon as you can because if he's abusing you or harming you in any way, he is not being a good husband. Uh, he is not doing fulfilling his biblical calling and duty to be uh, a husband who protects and loves and cherishes his wife. Um, if you know someone who's being abused, uh, you get involved, especially if you're a Christian. It's your job. It's your responsibility um, uh, to, to get in there and protect those who are being abused or hurt or harmed. Uh, and if you're an abusive husband, you need to repent. You really do. You need to change your heart. You need to go counsel uh, with a good minister or get in some biblical marriage counseling. And you need to take a serious look at who you've become because that is not who God called you to be. I don't know if I can make it any clearer than that, but Scripture is just abundantly clear. Yep. That's right down the line, what a good answer. And I didn't realize how closely that kind of pairs up with my next question, mm. kind of from the other side of the picture. Uh, this viewer says, our marriage is having trouble. And she inserted in there some things about her husband claiming to be a Christian and not acting like one and all that. So she said, I want specific scriptures on lying, cheating, and divorce. Uh, I hesitate to provide those scriptures uh, because I'm not sure you're ready for those scriptures. Uh, I'm, it sounds a little bit like as soon as you get them you're going to start beating the poor boy over the head with yeah. them and maybe that's not the step you're at. Uh, I'd advise some good Christian based counseling and uh, see where you are in this. Now that's the trouble with questions like this. We get one side, we don't know what's going on for sure. Uh, the husband could be basically innocent of anything and on the other hand he could be as guilty as all get out and need a good thrashing yep. for some reason. But uh, I'll give you the scriptures or some scriptures, uh, but that's not the answer. If he's a claims to be a Christian, he's not behaving like one, uh, being beat over the head with some scriptures probably won't help. Uh, if you use them, use them lovingly. Ask how, does, how can a Christian see this scripture and not regard it, uh, all that. But it's probably going to require some serious counseling with a, a good Bible-based counselor that can help you. But here's some scriptures about what you ask about. Uh, lying, I gave you a couple of them. Colossians 3, uh, 9 and 10. Uh, Proverbs 12 and verse 22. Both of those are good scriptures about not lying and being an abomination. Uh, cheating, uh, specifically marital cheating. Uh, Hebrews 13, 4 and Proverbs 6, 32 if you want to write those down. Uh, not uh, prove that those are wrong. And divorce, I gave you three, Matthew 5.32, Matthew 19.6, uh, and Malachi 21.6, all of those, or Malachi 2.16. Uh, last one there says God hates divorce uh, because of what it causes and the problems it causes in families and all that. We all know that divorce is a terrible thing. So last resort, um, and once again, I I know one little piece of the story. I advise you to get some good help, and uh, if those scriptures help, they help. Uh, but you'll need to work on a lot more than just reading a few scriptures, I think. So uh, God bless you as you work together on it, hopefully. 
We invite you to visit the Church of Christ near you. We're kept on the air by the Churches of Christ. This program produced by the Churches of Christ, especially the Northside Church in, uh, here in Wichita. But a lot of other folks help us stay on the air and are our partners in other broadcast markets up in uh, the Rock Island market to the Burlington Church of Christ in Burlington, Iowa is our partner up there and uh, help us with all the correspondence courses and the phone answering and all the things that go on up on there. Great partners. We appreciate them and a good bunch of people. If you're looking for a church home, you'd be warmly welcome there. Uh, if you know somebody that attends the Burlington Church, uh, tell them you watch this program and you appreciate them keeping it on for you. Any market you're in, you can probably find a Church of Christ near you. Drop in and visit sometime. Come visit the home church, uh, Northside Church of Christ here in Wichita. Be glad to meet you. All right, Toby, you got time for one quick here, Yes, I think. Uh, viewer asked the question, wanting to know uh, where does it talk about controlling your temper in the Bible? And uh, there are a couple of verses that speak very clearly to that. So let's look at the first one together from James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. He says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, of course, we are given the ability to be angry about things. Jesus got angry about things. In certain situations, uh, anger is, uh, righteous anger is, is a good thing. It's a needed thing. Uh, I'm reading the context of your question about controlling your temper, that this anger is being used in the wrong way. And uh, so this is where James is speaking to. If you've got trouble controlling your temple, your temper you might be a bit of a hothead. Um, you know, slow down a little bit. Um, talk less and open your ears more. And that will help a lot of uh, diffusing your personal anger and diffusing anger within a collective group at work or in families and things like that. So talk less and listen more. Let's look at another one. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verses 26 and 27. Paul writes, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. And I think this is a wonderful reminder that when we do anger, get angry about things, we need to direct that anger in the right way for the right reason and deal with it quickly. Don't let it simmer and stew. It'll just cause more problems. In fact, Jesus said anger would spill over into hatred and murder in our hearts if we don't deal with it. So we've got to not let the sun go down on it and just let that uh, be directed in the right way and quickly. Uh, and uh, if you're having an argument or with your spouse or something, don't go to bed angry. Uh, work through it and, and work through it until it's all worked out. So a couple of verses I hope will be helpful in controlling your temper. Okay, very good. And I don't <coughs> think that verse is written specifically to husbands no, and wives. No, no, no. But yeah. husbands and wives ought to take it specifically. Yeah. And uh, don't go to bed angry. Get it settled. And yeah, you may not be able to set it all, settle it all. Yeah. But come to an agreement that we're going to work on it tomorrow or whatever. And, and if you go to bed angry in the morning, it's just going to be worse. Yeah. So. <laughs> Nothing worse than getting up with an unresolved problem. So, yep. So, yep, it ought to apply to <clears throat> husband and wife. Good advice there. All right, let's uh, take some time to make sure we get our trivia question answered here. And it was about Jesus' baptism. Who baptized Jesus? And I imagine most all of our viewers got this one correct. John the Baptizer, uh, or John the Baptist, the Bible calls him. But uh, that was his job, is preparing people for the kingdom and uh, part of fulfilling all righteousness was baptizing Jesus, even though he didn't want to. 
He said, uh, you ought to be baptizing me. But Jesus said, no, this is the way it's going to work. So that's who did it. We're glad you've been with us this week. We hope you come back next week for more of your questions. Till then, you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.